0: and welcome to this hope podcast we are fee and trevor tucker and this week you've got both of us hey we're both
1: back in your ears okay yeah been quite a busy month and a half
0: it's classic september i think everything started back in full force um
1: well you went back to college
0: went back to college
1: flurry back to school
0: yeah school work it's all happening and we've been up to some pretty exciting stuff behind the scenes
1: yes definitely got some cool stuff on the horizon
0: do you want to fill us in on that, Jeff?
1: Well, we're working on the shop, so we are getting all of our products ready to go. Hopefully, in the next two weeks, uh, we should have some stuff up there for you guys to take a look at, which would be we're really excited about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, just really hoping that you guys will be excited about it too. Uh, and also, something that we put on in November that's going to be happening is...
0: Yeah, so if you are local to the High Wycombe, sort of Buckinghamshire area... On the 18th of November, we are going to be involved in a Christmas market where we will have um, all our range from this hope. And there will be some other brilliant uh, local Christian business um, makers and sellers. And that's going to be happening at Holy Trinity Hazelmere. On the 18th of November, so.
1: There will be some, uh, we'll put some stuff on our socials about it so you guys can see more information yeah. a little bit closer to the time.
0: But, but save the date for now because yeah. Christmas is coming up fast.
1: Terrifyingly so, yes.
0: I love Christmas.
1: Uh, yeah, I find it stressful. We have two children's birthdays, our wedding anniversary and Christmas. But
0: And that's why it's so exciting. So <laughs> much to celebrate. <laughs> so much to and celebrate. And most importantly, Jesus.
1: Jesus, his birthday too. <laughs> um right well this week we have a brilliant guest for you um this is a great interview that you, you did with with debbie
0: yeah so we have debbie barnett she and her husband run saint andrew's bookshop um make sure to check them out uh we'll link them in the show notes um debbie is just the most incredible sister in christ to me she is so brave Mm-hmm. and um, she has just such an amazing reliance on God mm-hmm. um in this interview, she shares hers and her husband's journey of how their firstborn was um born severely disabled, and just the journey they went through um with that um Just a note to say that um she is going to be discussing the loss of a child, so please do um only listen if you are feeling up to it, yeah. but honestly, it's such a story of hope um debbie shared so vulnerably and yeah. it's really blessed us to hear her story and we really feel like it will bless others who might be going through similar things so um check it out yeah here we go welcome debbie thank you so much for being here this morning
2: no problem it's a real pleasure to be here can you tell us a bit about who you are Uh, My name's Debbie, and I uh, um, am a wife and a mother, and um, I am married to Steve. Um, We've been married for 22 years. Wow. And um, we've got three children. Um, So we've got Rosie, who's 13, we've got Johnny, who's 18, and then we have Annie, who would be 20 now. Wow.
0: Mm. Um, And how do you spend your time?
2: Um, Mainly working for St Andrew's Bookshop, Um, and... um, uh, hanging out with friends and running and walking and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I had the
0: pleasure of being in a life group with Debbie for many years um, and you've always been such a blessing with your book recommendations and you'd always come in and be like, we've just got this in, this is a new release and oh, it's just been, yeah, you've been such a blessing to us having St Andrew's Bookshop on on the doorstep. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about um the business and yep. let people know maybe a bit about the big church read as well
2: yep so st andrew's bookshop has been a, a, a christian ministry on the high street in great missenden for 60 something years i wow. <laughs> can't do the math 66 years i oh think my goodness. 1957 it was born um and um yeah, we we were able to bless um, the the church um, not only locally, nationally, but also worldwide with uh, Christian resources um, uh, to to further their ministry and yeah. deepen their not knowledge and love of Jesus. That's so yeah, it's been really good. Um, and you mentioned the big church read. Yeah, uh, that was something which was uh, born three years ago in the middle of lockdown, but it was conceived thirteen years ago um, when Steve heard something on local radio or tv or something about the thames valley read Mm -hmm. and that was trying to get everyone in the thames valley reading the same book at the same time okay steve thought actually this could work for the church as well so um it took a lockdown and friends from hodder faith um yeah publishers and um andy bray as well working alongside each other um to actually get it off the ground and um uh yeah so yeah, it was born three years ago, um, September twenty twenty. Was our first book, which was the ruthless elimination of hurry. Yeah, and um, which was absolutely fantastic. And um, basically, it, there's about forty books in the library now on um, Big Church Read, wow. and each book has been cut into kind of sections or cha- Or it's done by chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, each chapter has. Um, discussion questions for it so you can do it in like a small group or yeah, as personal brilliant. study or however you want to do it it's it's brilliant and the author has done videos for mm-hmm. each of these sections as well we'll do like a little bit of an intro uh, to the to the um chapter mm-hmm. and we'll um kind of just explain a little bit about it as well The thinking behind it yeah. and we've had feedback from customers just saying it's you know it's the first time I've finished reading a book. Yeah, oh, in that's years. so brilliant. And, you know, yeah. it's just inspired me to read all the books which I've had <laughs> stored on my bookshelves oh, it's for so good. <laughs> the it's so easy. Yeah, It's easy
0: to buy them, isn't it? And I oh, yeah, never get yeah, around to yeah. reading. The
2: pile by my bed. It yeah. just grows each
0: year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so brilliant. Thank you for sharing. We'll definitely link all of that in the show notes because you've blessed... Yeah, St. Andrew's has really blessed us and we'd love to share it with our listeners. Um, so we've brought you on here because we really would love to hear your stories mm-hmm. of of hope your stories in the storms and um, so yeah could you just share a little bit with us yeah, of your story
2: yeah. yeah so um yeah I mean I think I think the whole um, underlying thing would be the hope throughout everything um mm-hmm. I I've been a Christian most of my well for 28 years mm-hmm. um but Uh, I was brought up in a Christian household Mm -hmm. and my mum took me to church every week um, and yeah so I kind of had some knowledge of church beforehand but definitely ever since I've become a Christian there's just been this underlying thing of hope just looking forward to the you know to to, you know just knowing that Jesus is on your side Mm. and they're comforting you throughout everything Um, and that really came to the fore kind of Uh, 20 years ago, almost exactly, to the day, the 11th of September, um, uh, 2003. Mm -hmm. So Annie was four months old, 19 weeks old. Mm -hmm. And um, we'd already been in and out of hospital with her from birth. Um, She had some small birth defects that the doctors really didn't know. What meant for her. Mm. her, one of her chromosomes was inside out and back to front, and well, they didn't really know what that meant yeah. for her. They said, well, you know, this might mean nothing, or it might mean a short life for her. Mm-hmm. But we we don't actually know at this point what this means. Um, and then September two thousand three, um, I went to her and she was unresponsive, and uh, I took her to hospital. I took her to doctor's first, and he blew lit us down to um, mm. Wickham. Um, general um down to the pediatric unit there and turned out that she'd had a stroke at 19 weeks old and um uh yeah that was that was that was very challenging Mm. and then um two weeks later so we were discharged um after a few days uh you know that did blood pressure and everything and put her on some meds and we had to do physiotherapy with her and I was doing physiotherapy with her one morning and she was just screaming the place down mm. and so I took her back to the doctors and they blew lit us down to Wickham again and they were like oh we don't know what's wrong with her and um and then I was I was feeding her in the night and I felt this bump on her head this massive like almost like a um Mr. Manhattan it was yeah. like bulbous on the top of her fontanelle uh, yeah it was And so I alerted the nurses, and then they were like, "This isn't good. We need to get to John Radcliffe." So middle of the night, we blew it to John Radcliffe, and uh, they did some more tests on her, and uh, she had pneumococcal meningitis, Mm. and um, we were taken to the doctor's office, um, and they basically said, "Oh, we need to wait for a nurse to come," and we're like, "Okay," and we waited and waited and waited and the doctor said there are no nurses available I just need to tell you something I need to tell you quick we asked for a nurse to be here for pastoral reasons but there's no nurses available um your daughter is is in critical condition she's going to die and then this noise happened and I didn't know where this noise was coming from and it was a it was a guttural cry, yeah. and I realised it was me. And yeah, um, yeah so that, that was really hard. And being told in a very kind of matter of fact yeah. kind of way, uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't good. So we rang family. She, uh, so Annie hadn't we hadn't had any kind of dedication or thanksgiving or christening for, mm. for Annie, and um, I knew my my mum's faith is 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 more traditional than mine and she was very keen for us to have our children christened because mm-hmm. she was like if anything happens to them then you don't know where they'll go and it was yeah. like I wasn't really on the same path but yeah. I was like no I need to do this for mum mm-hmm. for mum and her and her faith yeah. and her where she is right now mm-hmm. and so we just got all the family my sister made it down for the Lake District in far less <laughs> time than it really <laughs> should have done <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we were all gathered together my 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 sisters um Steve's brothers um grandparents and everything in John Redcliffe um hospital with Clive and Derek doing doing a little christening for yeah. her in in the room there and what Clive said at the time was um he prayed pray for Annie and he prayed for restoration or release mm. basically restore her or let her go yeah. You know, and, and those words stayed with me and actually yeah, yeah. still stay with me today when yeah. I'm praying for stuff. I pray for restoration or release because ah. I just find it really helpful. That is so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then we took her back into, into the main ward and we just like, well, we've just got to just sit and cuddle her and just wait, mm. wait for the time to come. Yeah. And so at the time her blood pressure was 214, which the nurse said would kill an adult oh. let alone a 21 week old baby um so that was really challenging yeah. and so we just sat there and um the nurse came along and took her blood pressure went oh that's interesting <laughs> of course we were all continually praying for yeah. her and um she's like her blood pressure's coming down quite not at because they didn't want it to come down too quickly because yeah. that would be dangerous yeah they said, but, but it's coming down at a very safe level. I was <laughs> like, really? <Yeah. laughs> so I kind of shared with the nurse that we're praying, and everything she's like, well, whatever you're doing, it's working. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> and um then it came down to a level where they were like, right, we're just going to take her down to um to um intensive care, um, mm. just to monitor her more closely. Um, you know, she's she's out of critical condition mm. now everything but we want to get her over to um Great Ormond Street mm-hmm. because we can't we don't have the. this is before the super duper children's yeah. hospital at Drum uh, Radcliffe mm-hmm. uh, they were like we just don't have the facilities to to look after her properly here we need yeah. to get her over there I was like okay and the next morning the doctor who had had us in his office the day before was doing his rounds and he was like going oh who have we got in today and I was listening in and he was like, oh, Annie Barnett. That's interesting. <laughs> there was an Annie Barnett yesterday on the other ward, but she died. Uh, <laughs> what? I was like, uh, no, she didn't. No, she's right here. <laughs> Please check. <laughs> exactly. So then we had uh, five weeks in um, Great Ormond Street where they did lots of tests. And one of the doctors there said, you know, she's got... Really bad hypertension. Um, mm. She's going to be on blood pressure tablets for the rest of her life. We can't really see her living past her first birthday. You just mm. need to prepare yourselves that her life is going to be very short. Yeah. Um, and Yeah. And then fast forward, up very, many, many, many ups and downs, hospital visits. She had seizures, um, which were life-threatening throughout her life and everything, but God was with us 100% of the way uh-huh. through every single storm that we went through with her. Um, fast forward to kind of 2017, um, December, yeah. and, um, yeah, she um, she got a cold, a really bad cold, and um, I took her out of school. Um, I, I had to go and collect her because she was just really not good. Uh, collected her from school, and then looked after her over the weekend. And we have various Christmas parties on. Mm-hmm. It was like uh, the fifteenth uh, and sixteenth of um, December, so mm-hmm. there's lots of kind of village parties yeah. and things like that going on. And, and for some reason, we couldn't get babysitters, so I basically rang my nieces and nephews and said, you know, we've got these two parties. Do you guys fancy coming down? And one could say they could do one night, and the other one said that they could do the other night, and they were like, "Oh, yeah, you know, it would be nice to come down and hang hang with cousins for the yeah. for the weekend and stuff." And and then on the Monday, she um I went into her room again. She's un unresponsive, and um I took her into I I rang nine nine nine, and um they took us to St. Mandeville, and uh, I met Steve there, and they were like, "This isn't good." Mm. Um, we think she's got sepsis, um, and pneumonia and, um, we need to take her to, um, John Radcliffe. Uh, but we're worried that the hospital, uh, the ambulance trip mm. may not be yeah. good for her. So, uh, we signed a DNR for her before that journey and got to John Radcliffe. And the sky on the way over, I could see out the window of the ambulance was just an electric pink. It was just oh. incredible. And Annie's favourite colour was pink. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> and um, then five days later, she passed away. Yeah. Which was hard. Um, but again, I, I kept with me my restoration release. And mm. just knowing that she was being looked after. By a heavenly father it was yeah. just such comfort in everything. Yeah. Really. Mm.
0: And how old was Annie when she passed? She was away? 14 and a
2: half, so wow. she made it 13 yeah. and a half years past what the doctors originally yeah. said. So <laughs> each year was, was a win. Yeah. <laughs> but she brought so much joy into our lives, she really did. Yeah. And like I said, um, I've got two other children, and yeah. um she taught us all that. Life is, is bigger than just us, mm-hmm. you know. You have to look beyond your own little world, yeah. Um, she opened her eyes to grace and mercy and love, and yeah. just on a human level. And it was just and her laugh oh, my god! Oh, her laugh, <laughs> she brought so
0: much joy to
2: everyone around her, and dancing at Manifold. Yeah. She used to get get me to, to get, take her out of a wheelchair and she'd try and walk down to the front she couldn't walk unaided so I'd be like supporting her all the way and she'd just go down and stand inspecting Phil Preston's fingers <laughs> as he was playing the piano at my phone. yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> brilliant such a joy mm.
0: um thank you for sharing what how was your faith through all this and um, what kind of helped you what was yeah can you just tell us more about in terms of your mm. faith and yeah. um the grief that you were experiencing at different points in your yeah. life
2: yeah the first two years of her life were really hard um I was quite petulant mm-hmm. and I felt everything was very unfair and yeah quite narcissistic and understandable just, <laughs> <laughs> why me <Yeah. laughs> and why us and you know and we were friends with our uh, with like little antenatal group for Annie and I. Basically, had to just distance myself mm. from from those. It was too hard. Yeah, seeing children who were literally born at the same. Time. We were literally there was a wall at Wickham Hospital between me and this other person giving birth at the same time, mm. and just to see how different their yeah. lives were, um, even as little little children, you mm. know. And it was like I can't, I can't do this. Um, yeah. So there were there were things I did to protect myself mm. um and um not always helpful um yeah. but I did what I had to do yeah. um to get through it all really. Mm-hmm. Um I hated doing Annie's medicine every day. Um but I, yeah, I just had to learn to treat that as part of my love for her. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of look at it in a different way yeah. and To kind of teach myself, this is your lot. Yeah. This is what your life is. Yeah. You are not only Annie's mum, you're her full-time carer. Mm. And this is what you've got to do. If you love Annie, you've got to do this. And you've got to do it with a different heart. Mm. Yeah. So um, when I was pregnant with Johnny and then Rosie, I was really worried the whole time Mm -hmm. that something was going to be wrong with them as well. And um, that was really hard. But before we had Johnny, I read, it's called a poem, but it's not really a poem, it's a story. Mm-hmm. And it's called Welcome to Holland. Um, um, I'd like to share yeah, it if that's please. okay. If I can get it up. I might have to put my glasses on. Go
0: <laughs> ahead. <All right. laughs>
2: Okay, so it's called Welcome to Holland by Emily Pearl Kingsley. When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks and make your wonderful plans. The Colosseum, the Michelangelo David, the gondolas in Venice. You may learn some handy phrases in Italian. It's all very exciting. After months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives. You pack your bags and off you go. Several hours later, the plane lands. The stewardess comes in and says, Welcome to Holland. Holland? You say? What do you mean, Holland? I signed up for Italy. I am supposed to be in Italy and all my life I've dreamt of going to Italy. But there's been a change in the flight plan. They've landed in Holland and there you must stay. The important thing is that it haven't taken you to a horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of pestilence, famine and disease. It's just a different place. So you must go out and buy new guidebooks and you must learn a whole new language and you'll meet a whole new group of people you would never have met normally. It's just a different place. It's slower paced than Italy. Less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there for a while and you catch your breath, you look around and you begin to notice that Holland has windmills and Holland has tulips. Holland even has Rembrandt. But everyone you know is busy coming and going from Italy. And for the rest of your life you will say, yes, that was where I was supposed to go. That's what I had planned. But if you spend your life mourning the fact that you don't get to go to Italy, you may never be free to enjoy the very special, the very lovely things about Holland. Wow. And that just kind of summed everything up for me. And then we had Johnny. And then Mm. we had your citizenship. Yeah. (laughs) Holland (laughs) and Italy. Yeah. (laughs) And now we have been moved to Italy. Yeah. um, Since Annie's died. So, yeah, it's a whole kind of, Continual, developing, changing, evolving. To your circumstances.
0: Yeah. That I mean I think that poem would, is so applicable. That kind of when you have a plan for your life or mm. how you think things are going to be. Yeah. There is a grieving process yeah. with. Um, yeah, that kind of I think as as humans we always like to. know what's happening have a plan um and yeah could that so helpful in so many
2: circumstances yeah Yeah. um and it was after I read that I thought actually it it's okay it may not be normal but Mm. it's okay I had a um file in my phone of planning Mm. Annie's funeral for when Mm. she was 18 months old wow Songs that I heard I wanted those in her yeah. funeral, and she 's the only one i've ever made funeral plans for because uh-huh. I knew that her life was going to be short lived yeah and with all the challenges and you know she went to Heritage House School in chesham um, who were who were brilliant uh, mostly um, throughout all of her life um, mm-hmm. um, but quite often you'd get a newsletter back mm. or an email back saying. One of Annie's peers has died. Yeah. So there was that constant reminder that we were in this. We were in Holland, mm. where lives weren't always fulfilled yeah. to adulthood. Um, yeah. And yeah. And I always had a fear of Annie turning eighteen. Always. I didn't. I was terrified of that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the children's services, um, especially in Bucks, were brilliant for Annie. Yeah. Um, you know, we needed stuff. We got stuff, mm-hmm. and I knew that once she hit eighteen, the adult services would not be so brilliant. Yeah, I don't know if all that's changed now, but I just had mm. this fear of her yeah. becoming an adult. Um, but you know, it was those moments when I got scared about that. It was just like, I've got to trust in God. I've got to yeah. trust in God. I've got to trust in do- God, and just leaning into Him and being blessed by Him, and mm-hmm. then, yeah different things
0: like that so also you had to i mean had to live a, a life with any way you kind of it was overshadowed by what might mm. come mm. um and when when she did pass away mm. how did your faith impact your grief journey um
2: when you were actually faced with that reality yeah i think um because i've been preparing for it for mm-hmm. a long time. Yeah. Um it it was hard I and mean, yeah. Just the the initial stages of grief were yeah. Everything was in slow motion. She died 3 days before Christmas. Yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah. I struggle now with i i love christmas and i still mm. do love christmas. Yeah. But now I struggle with church um in December mm-hmm. um, so many of the songs and verses are triggers for that time yeah. um and yeah i I really struggle with with that, and that is something I'm trying to explore a bit more because mm. i i i'm a christian and december yeah. is, it, is it, it's a big month for us <laughs> it is yeah <laughs> uh, um, and yeah so that that that's a work in progress um but um generally the whole the whole grief pattern uh you know we just became very practical mm-hmm. as a family about our grief and would kind of i can remember after she died we were traveling up to Northumberland to go and see my parents Um, and then we went up to Scotland to stay with some friends and we had a long time in the car so we spent that time in the car planning her funeral yeah and um, properly this time not just me and my notes on my phone yeah Um, and uh, then kind of going oh we can get a dog now because mm. uh, we could never have a dog because yeah. we didn't know how Annie would be with a dog and it was like looking at good things to fill um. our lives with
0: Yeah,
2: because we had that opportunity now Yeah, um, not that we wanted a dog no. or go on a, an amazing holiday of a lifetime to Tanzania mm. uh, which is what we did to scatter some of our ashes um, we would we would rather have Annie, yeah, of course, than do those things. But yeah, we were able to do those things, mm-hmm. and yeah, that was amazing. It was an amazing time to draw together as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, we did become when Annie was alive. She, we were very Annie centric. Yeah, everything revolved around Annie. And so, in a way, her passing gave us space to focus more on Johnny and Rosie and for Steve, for Steve and me Mm -hmm. as a couple, um, and invest in friendships as Mm -hmm. well and not have to go, yeah, yeah, we'll meet for coffee. No, I can't. Yeah. I'm in hospital with Annie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and just, yeah, just making the most of saying yes to things Mm -hmm. instead of no. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Was there any practical things you did whether it was for your faith or um uh more like kind of a secular approach was there any practical things that you did or resources or um any kind of um I guess uh tips you would give to anyone kind of facing similar circumstances yeah um,
2: physical health mm-hmm Really, really helped my mental health and still does. Yeah. Um, they'll they'll get to a, a if I haven't been out for a run for a few days, I know that I really, really need to. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I started running again after Annie died. A couple of years after she died, maybe a year after she died, I had a friend in the village, and she was like, "Right, let, let's go on runs together." And, yeah. And we did, and that was brilliant because um, I'd done I'd done running before she died. Yeah. I uh, did Great North Run and things like that, but I didn't really... And I did it then for my mental health mm-hmm. to cope with being Annie's full-time carer yeah. and just having something for me. Mm-hmm. After she died, I stopped running for a bit. And then I was like, right, I'm going to start running again. And, oh, my days, the release. And I just started writing stuff down. I, not journaling as such or keeping a diary, but just as stuff hit me Mm -hmm. i'd write and i used to go in there's a field uh, in in little missenden it's kind of in the middle of the village um there's like a road which goes round kind of two Mm. sides of it it's absolutely huge huge field and um there's a manhole cover in the field (laughs) which was brilliant for sitting on Mm -hmm. a bit stinky at times generally (laughs) it was okay but I used to go for a walk every day armed with my Bible, my Bible reading notes, and my phone. And I would sit and read my Bible reading notes and read my Bible, the, the verse that it was relating to, and listen to worship. And then I'd sing in the field. Amazing. Top of my voice. Yes. <laughs> And then cry and sob. And if anyone saw me, oh my days were going (laughs) to be like, oh, (laughs) crazy girls in town again. (laughs) But the field was such a source of comfort to me. And I really, it felt like a thin place for me. Um, And uh, yeah, that that was was a really, and I probably did that for about a year every day. Mm -hmm. I'd go for a walk out to the field. Um, And then I wrote a poem. Yeah. About the field, did you? Yeah, and then I realise I do this when I'm grieving. Yeah, I write poems. Ah, I've only written two poems.
0: <laughs> I wrote a poem actually just after my mum yeah. died. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've never write poems. <laughs>
2: no, I don't. Oh. <laughs> so I wrote a poem when my dad uh, was um, he had dementia. He oh. died in January twenty two, twenty twenty two. Mm-hmm. Um. And when he, it was my first visit to go to see my parents after lockdown. So 18 Mm. months of not seeing them. And I stopped at one of the places where we scattered Annie's ashes. Mm. And I wrote a poem about my dad, which my kids and my nephews read at my dad's funeral.
0: beautiful. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, just kind of opening my heart and my Mm. mind and just that kind of bit more creative side. Mm Mm-hmm um just helps yeah i think so yeah Yeah, i love that
0: <laughs> um and yeah just to sort of finish and bring us bring us home is there was there any throughout kind of any element of your journey was there specific bible verses or worship songs that
2: really spoke to you i'm gonna have to get my phone out Okay. Oh, I can't remember it off the top of my head. It is really helpful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the Bible verse, I can remember, you may have been at Life Group that morning, actually, is when we were over at Barbara's one time. Mm. Uh, we had a breakfast there, and it was about four or five months after. It was just in time for Annie's birthday. That was yes, it. Yes, yeah, it was there. And um, we, I was feeling kind of, well, what was the point of the last... Four, 15 years, 14 and a half years, what, what, yeah. what's the point of it all? She's just going to die. What was the point yeah. of me going through all that for all this heartache? Mm. And um, uh, God gave me... I've just got to find it. Yes, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, And this is from the ESV. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the lord knowing that in the lord your labor is not in vain and it's just like and actually i carry that with me at work we've actually mm. got written on the wall in the um in the kitchen at work because yeah. no matter what you're doing no matter what you're going through if you're doing it for god it's not wasted yeah it's not fruitless it's not
0: yeah.
2: worthless you're doing it for god you're doing it for his kingdom yeah and that can only be a good thing absolutely yeah
0: Yeah. brilliant Demi thank you so much for sharing no problem um yeah you're just you're such a blessing (laughs) (laughs) you're such a babe um and I know that your story is one that needs to be heard um and needs to be shared so thank you so much for sharing it with us thank
2: you very much
1: so that was Debbie's story. Um, what an amazing person she is. What an amazing she, story that is.
0: So incredible. Um, yeah, thank you, Debbie, so much yeah. for coming on and sharing. Um, we're just so grateful for the vulnerability of um, not just Debbie, but all our guests to come yeah. on and share. Because um, vulnerability really is key to um, getting the message, the stories of hope, but also of perseverance through storms. Um, If people aren't vulnerable, if people go around and show that they're presenting as everything is fine or Mm. they're not struggling, then actually we don't take any steps forward in claiming our lives and our circumstances under the hope of Jesus Christ. So Mm. we really hope that um, Debbie was able to speak some of that into your lives through this interview.
1: Yeah, we're just really thankful, aren't we, for all that God's doing um with this podcast and the stories and the the people that are coming on to share those stories um and we're really excited about what's to come um and yeah we're really excited for you guys to come on that journey with us as well
0: yeah so if you um would like to support the podcast primarily please do just share it with your network share it with people who need some encouragement Mm. um that are struggling with feelings of despair or hopelessness in whatever circumstance um i think it's safe to say that probably most all of us have been in places where we could do with a little bit more hope. Yeah. Um, so please do share um, if you can follow, rate, review, like, subscribe, all those good things. And um, they make a difference to making the podcast more uh, reachable to yeah. people.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well, you can get hold of us then via our socials at We Have This Hope. uh, That's on Instagram and Facebook. Um, And then you can email us at our new fancy uh, email address, which is hello at wehavethishope.co.uk. We'd love to hear from you. Um, All the kind of messages we've had so far have been so amazing and we'd love to hear more of what you guys have to say as well. Uh, But in the meantime, we just hope you're all doing well and uh, we'll see you next time.
0: See you next time.